If you've ever wondered if you're worth your fees or know enough about a destination when asked, have you been there by a client? This episode is for you. If you've ever been scrolling on Instagram and been envious of another advisor because they are boasting tons of luxury bookings and showcasing their five-star fam trips, this episode is for you. We're talking about the taboo topic of imposter syndrome. This episode is not only going to discuss how you are cheating yourself out of income from clients, but also how comparing yourself to other advisors in the industry is quite literally taking money out of your bank account. This is going to feel a little bit like a hype session mixed with therapy and a splash of financial coaching. And frankly, we're doing this for ourselves just as much as we are for our listeners, because we think imposter syndrome can creep up anytime and with anyone. So let's dive into one of the most obvious ones that is rampant internally within the travel industry. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff, and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Oh man, this is my favorite. And we are tackling first and foremost, fam comparison. And I think this is so easy to do, right? Like you're scrolling on Instagram and I was doing it this morning. I'm not even booking travel anymore. And I'm like, oh, that's a better fan than I went on. And it's honestly, it's not. They're all fabulous. That's the whole point, but they're all different. That is also the whole point. So this is most prevalent because we all follow each other on social media and we forget that our clients aren't also following all of these travel advisors on social media. So they're not sitting there comparing the fans that we're going on. They're simply just looking at you as an individual travel advisor and looking to you for your expertise and your experiences. And if you think about it, this is like fashion influencers following other fashion influencers. And as a consumer, and yes, I do follow a lot of Instagrammers, I feel like half of them are sharing the same outfits. Robin's rolling her eyes right now. (laughs) Same outfit. (laughs) So... It's so funny because you know that those influencers are probably feeling the exact same way. Like, oh, wait, I got those Amazon pants. I get that Target outfit. I got those slides, whatever it is. And they're having that comparison feeling too. And I've heard this from influencers. They're super open about it when they go to these conferences and they are dressed to the nines. And and frankly, like, we'll tackle this in a minute, but you spend out of your own pocket to keep up with someone that it does not matter to keep up with. Like I I am not going on a fam so another advisor can admire my fam. I'm going on a fam so that my potential client or my existing client can be attracted to what I'm putting on social media. That's the end point. That's it. That's the entire point other than for the fact that you should be collecting knowledge that directly is in respect to your niche and your audience. It has nothing to do with other travel advisors. And this is one of the things that I think a lot of travel advisors fall subject to is they're paying these astronomical flight fees right now. I'm not even going to say astronomical fees to go on the fans because a lot of the time the fans are incredibly reasonable. 
sometimes you do have to pay a pretty penny to go on a fam. And frankly, a lot of those times, those are more worth it because you are invested in it. And the supplier knows that you have to invest to get out what they're putting in effort-wise. And everyone around you is invested in it. Yes. It's a better group. You just feel, yeah, I prefer this. I do too. I mean, our fams cost money for niche antique. So that is why is because we want the people that go on these fams to be mutually as invested as the person next to them so that they have an area of interest that they're all sitting around the table. They're talking about business. They're hyping each other up. It's all for the greater good of the partnership with the supplier, but also for the morale of the fam. With that being said, flights are not cheap right now. And to top it off, a lot of these advisors are upgrading their seats on these fams to showcase their first class seat. It's a contest. It, it, it turns out being a contest. Now, I understand and I can go through like my qualifications for selecting an upgrade. And you know this, I'm really, really tempted by upgrades a lot of the time. But here is how I identify if it's worth it to me. I actually put a dollar amount per hour and I calculate it. If it exceeds, so I value my time at $100 per hour for flight. That is what I value my like rest and relaxation time at. And I know that sounds really silly, but it helps me qualify if an upgrade makes sense for me. So if the upgrade is $900 and my flight is seven hours, that's an automatic no for me. I just, I don't even consider it. Now, if it's a $480 promotion that I get in my inbox and the flight is seven hours, I'm like, yes, because I'm going to land in that destination and be prime for my meetings, which I think is worth a lot, or I'm going to return home and be able to be present with my family. So if I need to be on when I land, and if that monetary calculation makes sense, that's when I consider it. But a lot of the time, if you're like, well, I do have to be on when I land. Okay. But could you go in a night earlier and it would actually be less than upgrading and you could actually get some downtime in that destination to explore on your own. So anyway, that's like a total tangent that I just went on, but moral of the story, fams cost money. It is okay to decline fams to keep your revenue in your bank account. And we believe that you should not accept fams just to keep up with your own industry colleagues on social media, accept fams that are directly influencing your target audience. I'm just really excited for the day that we start putting dollar amounts on fams. Fams are really awesome and they're such a big part of our job, but like some people just travel to travel and I just, I don't agree with it. No, you and I have done that. That's why we feel this way. Yeah, I was about to say, because I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've taken my own money and invested on a fam just to go to the destination and never once sold it. And it was like, that took me out of office, that wasted my time, that wasted the supplier's time. So that frankly, like makes me feel bad as a business owner now, like I never want clients to waste our time. So I always feel bad when I'm wasting a supplier's time because realistically from the beginning, I knew I wouldn't sell it. I don't know. I think they're starting to become more of a shift with fans and realizing that they're not just like a getaway vacation because we know they're not. They're very much a working business meetings and like back to back to back to back meetings that you should be on for. And there's fams that I went on and I thought I would sell and I just didn't want to after the fam. Like there's plenty of places I've been to like that. And that I think is, that's just part of the risk of going on fams. But I don't know. So I have a very, (laughs) I'm like a very business approach. I'm like data analytics doesn't make sense. Like expense wise, 
what is the income going to be from this experience? How many South Africans am I realistically going to book if I live in the middle of nowhere Midwest, like where it's hard for me to book a South Africa? It might not make sense for me. Whereas if I live near a hub like New York and it's easy to get in and out or Atlanta or something like that, and there's like a high income client, great. That makes so much sense. But for me, that those type of fans just never made sense for me. Yeah, I think it is largely dependent on where you're marketing, where your client base is coming from. Because we just had a discussion with one of our Teak Week attendees and she was like, I love that. I want to sell that. But also it's very hard for me to sell that. So one, you either have to rethink your marketing strategy or two, leverage the audience that you have and sell what you sell really well and go to those places for fun. And we've talked about this till we're blue in the face. But it's also not about just the expenses to get there at the flight upgrade that you're going to do and all the food and all the things like, I guarantee you spend double more than you think you're spending on a fam because you're parking, you are Ubering to the airport, you are getting food, you're buying souvenirs, you're adding extra meals, getting room service, what have you. You're also not selling that week. Yeah. So if you could have closed three sales what would that equate to? Does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense, don't go. Especially don't go if it's like, well, I really want to go to Argentina, but am I getting that as a normal request all the time? I'm not. So to me, in retrospect, there are some fans that I'm like, I should have said no. I knew in my gut, but I wanted to sell that destination. However, it didn't make sense for either that season of my life or my marketing strategy at that moment or my niche overall. And you need to evaluate that on so many different levels because it took so much money out of my bank account that I could have actually had as income paying my bills. We're all facing a potential financial recession. It's it's not, I say potential in quotation marks because the feds have confirmed it, but like you should be very cognizant of what you are taking out of your business and you should be protecting your business as much as possible in this time of like, mass influx of cash. Like we're all getting a massive cash infusion because things are selling like hotcakes. Don't think that's disposable income just because you have income coming in. It's not. That's some good church right there. Have you ever had an unhappy client and then immediately checked to make sure that your terms and conditions had you covered? If not, props to you, but that's not the case for everyone. If you're like us and you want to make sure that your client can't hold you financially accountable for any loss due to last minute cancellation, because of bad weather, a missed flight, a positive COVID test, or any other situation, we know they happen, then you'll be happy to know that the legal page has your back. The legal page is an online template shop run by a real lawyer, Paige Griffiths. She took the time to work with us and get to know the ins and outs of the travel business so that she could make an incredibly robust terms and conditions template. If you're ready to get legally legit, start with the legal page. Our link to the travel industry specific agreements can be found in the show notes. If you're in niche, you know that we have our fee calculator, which is probably like the coolest resource available. I think it's in premium, Jen. I would love to create a fam calculator, like a little plug and play, like does this fam financially make sense for my business and like a little something like that. Oh, we should work with Katie's husband on that. I think we're going to get started on that. So Mm. you're not inside of there. And if you are inside of there, we got some good ideas rolling through lately. Love that. Okay. So the next one, we kind of touched on this, but Robin, take it away. 
this one is big for me, planning outside of your niche just to keep up with the Joneses, right? So I was in this weird predicament and it wasn't a weird predicament, but I put myself in this weird head trash imposter syndrome space because I was booking honeymooners. So I worked primarily with the Caribbean, quick hit, like all inclusives, super easy. I could sell them in my sleep. And Jen started getting into more of the Europe. So I was like, well, her trips are bigger money. I need to start booking those. And to me, I was like, Italy sounds cooler. And like the Maldives sounds cooler than like this resort in Cabo that I always sell. But my clients weren't really there yet. Again, they were honeymooners. And I feel like Europe gets really big once you get into your 30s. You've probably been promoted once. Like now you want to travel with your husband, maybe a friend group, stuff like that. So it was like my clients would probably end up graduating there. But I took this niche that I was doing really well at. And instead of focusing there and allowing myself to like know the Caribbean inside and out so intimately, which I felt like I did, but there's definitely more islands I could have capitalized on. Always, yeah. It would have cut down on my research time because now, granted, I had Jen and I had a great team of advisors at Exploratory at the time to help me because they were all booking Europe. And I was like the lone wolf over here booking Caribbean really well, making good income. But like all of a sudden, I could plan a trip probably in a matter of three hours max. And that's me digging for research hardcore, basically. Whereas Italy, it took me like a day to feel comfortable and like double check that like, does this route make sense? Should they be going from Venice to Rome to Florence? Like that looks weird, right? So it was all these like strange, it it just took a lot of my time. So cutting down on the time, of that research allows you to put energy towards other areas of my business. So instead of like focusing on trying to like puzzle piece this product together that I didn't really know well, granted, I eventually like invested in a Europe trip, learned it really, really well, and then was able to sell it really easily. But I could have, instead of trying to like invest all that money and spend five weeks in Italy and, you know, Europe, I could have instead spent that time and energy and money investing more into the Caribbean and digging my heels down, putting that money into areas like marketing or not putting that time somewhere else, putting that time towards like family and friends. So I don't know. This was like really a point for me because I think there's a lot of times where you're like, dang, she just sold Bora Bora. I want to sell that. And it just maybe that's not your niche. Like there's nothing saying you can't graduate there. You can't get your clients there if that's where you want to end up. But I think there's like a really, it's like almost unsung heroes, the people who like know what they know really well and they sell it so well. And it's just like what everybody talks about in marketing. It's like the, if you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. And it's like, when you know your niche inside and out, you are like the expert. So Mm -hmm. people know, like when I have when I want to go to the Caribbean, it's Robin. Like my first instinct is Robin. I see Robin in my head. You know what? I always think about this is that if I were to go back two years ago, what would I do differently? I think this is always like a fun exercise to do, just not at, not out of like regret. I don't mean it in any negative way, but like, what would you do differently? Because that helps us be advisors to other advisors, right? To me, even post COVID, I would have doubled down and only done Italy. You know why? Because I could do it quickly. I could do it insanely well. I could create really impactful, powerful relationships with specific suppliers so that I'm not constantly having to pull all of these suppliers, continuing education constantly. My trips could be really 
gritty granular. Like I could go and I could just chug out, okay, Dolomites, Prosecco Trail, Verona, I'm doing that. And then the next time, Turin, Milan, the lake region. And then I don't ever have to worry about trying to tackle the world because I would know that so well. And I look at Lori Gold, who does Mexico and specifically Riviera Maya. She crushes it. This woman has made such a massive impact on the industry by sharing this intimate knowledge of this highly touristic destination. And she's doing it so beautifully well with courses and all of this information. And I'm like, you know what? I would have done that because I know that I could have charged way more in fees because I would become the subject matter expert for Italy. And no one would question if, hey, my friend's going to Italy, who with the Explorator should they go to? No, me. They should come to me because I am Italy. I am one with Italy. And I, I don't think that there is anything negative that comes from niching down. And we'll talk about this actually a little bit more. But I mean, in 2020, obviously that would have been catastrophic because it wiped out Italy travel. There's nothing to say to Robin's point. There's nothing to say you can't flex. When you're a travel advisor, people are always still going to ask you, can you do insert something that you're probably not doing right now? And your answer in that season of life can become yes, if it is deemed appropriate. But what you can't do is fake being an expert in something. You can consume a lot of content really fast if you need to pivot, but you cannot change complete expertise overnight. And Robin was talking about, I love what you said, like in the beginning, like what I'm doing is not cool. I want to be cool. I'm like, you know, it's cool having money in your bank account. That's what's cool. Paying those bills is (laughs) cool. Being able to live the life that you want and travel to the destinations that you want. If you're not booking Bora Bora because you're booking destination weddings in Riviera Maya and that's all you do and you do it really well because you know the best resorts per client, and I think of Alpaca Your Bags. She does it very well. She has invested so much time in getting to know those resorts. It shows. It It shows shows. in her experience. Like When you're so niche specific, I think of like all the extra touches I could have added to, because I booked Unico like nonstop at the time when it first came out on the scene. And like, I think about all the extras I could have included in there because I knew the property so well. I knew the people on property so well. My client experience would have gone 10 times through the roof. My clients would have been happier with me. They would have truly seen that my services were worth my money and that my time was as valuable as I'm putting the monetary value on. So to the people who have their niche and they they dig their heels in with it, kudos to you. I'm from South Florida. I went to the Caribbean all the time. Like the logistics of it all, like it made more sense for me. But again, Italy was the hot one that I wanted to be like the hot new girl in the sea. And I was like, well, I got to be like that. And it's like, I don't have to be like that. Why don't I know what I, I know what I know. And I know yeah. it really well. And you love Caribbean. Like you grew, you grew up traveling to... I call it like blue water destinations, but to like the Caribbean destinations. And it was something that was a comfort level to you. And when people hear passion about the destination you go to, because you have nostalgic memories, it translates y'all like you close so much faster at a higher ticket value. If you know something, if I can articulate why at Hermitage Bay, you should go for the hillside pool suite instead of the garden villa. I 
am on, I'm ruling the world because I know that property. I can, I can request the specific room number to the sales rep. That's going to completely change the experience for the client. And I guarantee they are going to come back because they feel like they got someone that intimately knew that destination. You can't do that for the world. You can't know that room 33 in Antigua is the best room. And then also know in Fiji that room 12 is great. Like, I mean, there may be selective pockets, but hotels are constantly getting updated, being built. Destinations are massively changing over time. And it's impossible to take on the world. Yes, that is 100% why we have DMCs. But I, I will always hang my hat on the fact that DMCs can take you so far. But when it comes to sales, your passion, your knowledge is what actually closes the highest ticket value. 100%. And I think if I wanted to explore more destinations, what I should have done instead of trying to do Europe, which is so different than blue water destinations, I should have looked into more of the Maldives. I should have tried to hang my hat into Fiji and add that to my rotation versus going like from one totally different destination to another. Like both of those are sun and sand and like those really pretty tropical notes, but like one is Fiji and the Maldives and Bora Bora and one is the Caribbean, but they seem similar. So my branding messaging all of a sudden gets, you know, way airtight and exactly what I handle and what I do. And then if you're like, well, my income is capped with the Caribbean and stuff, that's not true. But also (laughs) those other destinations are higher ticket. That's what, again, this is me in retrospect. And this is kind of where my imposter syndrome came in the most. That's what I would have done differently. Like if I could sit down and talk to Robin in like 2019, that's what I would have told her. And going back to our original point, you know exactly when to say no to FAMS if it does not align with that niche. If you are, I think in Caribbean, you're heavy hitters, you're going to need to know for all inclusives, Jamaica, Dominican, Mexico. Okay. That's an obvious, that's hundreds of resorts we're talking about just there and a massive amount of income that you can make from becoming an expert in those areas. Then you throw in St. Lucia, Antigua, St. Bart's. Like I'm talking, we already said it, but Lori already did it. She's focusing just on Riviera Maya and she's capitalizing on that. But when it comes to Caribbean, like you said, if you want to level up and you want to start doing Bora Bora and Maldives just for a little exotic, little splash in your niche, cool. And at least you're knowledgeable when people do come to you because they're like, you know what? We loved what you did for St. Lucia. Now we want to have this grandiose once in a lifetime trip to Bora Bora. Cool. I can do that for you. But they're thinking of you in that tropical world, relaxation, sun and sand. If you want to throw in cultural experiences, whatever it is. And then like Robin said, your branding, your imagery, everything can be in sync with that. So you're not constantly fighting. What is my messaging? What is the vibe I'm trying to portray? Which I think is most advisors. You compete with a lot more advisors too when you quote unquote sell everything. Like all of a sudden, every single other travel advisor's niche is now open as a competitor. Whereas if I would have synced in, like I would have had a more narrow pool. I feel like, yes, I would have still been competing with other advisors who sell the Caribbean on top of South America, Central America, Europe, all of that. But I think it would have been a lot easier for me to convert because again, messaging. It comes down to branding and messaging and knowing who I'm targeting and my ideal client and what they want and 
I know all of the objections with the what's going on in Mexico right now and any sort of hesitancy someone would have with booking and, oh, you're too uncomfortable with Mexico. Here's another option in yep. similar ranges. Boom. I'm like such an expert. Someone trusts me. The fee no longer matters because I'm flexing that authority expertise muscle. I also love that you can become so knowledgeable on flight patterns. It's really helpful when you get on an intake call and you're knowledgeable about the logistics. I mean, I think I will say all day, it's the hill I will die on, that logistics matter more than anything else. Logistics are what make or break a trip. If someone can't get there because their flight pattern is wonky and they're laying over and they get stuck somewhere or they're just... I just, there's so many things with logistics that can go wrong. Train strikes, transfers are expensive, like all of these things. But if you know your destinations that you know very well, and you can speak to the logistics, that is something that your client is not going to be able to look on TripAdvisor and see. They can go and see what hotel is ranked number one, but they cannot easily, unless they're going to Rome to Rio, which they probably don't know that website anyway, and they don't know how to book it anyway because half the travel advisors that are just starting to book certain destinations don't even know how to navigate certain countries. If you can talk logistics and ease someone's mind and talk them through it, you've won. You've won the battle. Well, think about all the logistics with Bora Bora. And like if yes. you get there at a certain time, you have to stay at Pepiese. And like there's all those I would have never known. But like again, if I would have dug my heels in and really became a subject matter expert instead of just trying to like sell it on the side. That is a big, you're, if you're going to Bora Bora, you're spending some dollars Yeah, to know all of that. You need it flush. So, I mean, that was such a big driver with the destination masterclasses too, because it is, it's so important. Logistics can make or break your trips. And then I immediately, like my brain just starts spinning out and it's like, okay, but now there's really only like three airlines that service Bora Bora. It's Air Tahiti Nui, United, and... Air France. Now let's talk through what the different first class cabins are because a lot of the time when people fly there, they're going to want first class. And the Air France cabin is, you know, like you go into all of these things and being able to talk through that and knowing that intimately is just what you're charging your fee for. That is what you're charging your fee for is that knowledge that you have collected over time. I get passionate about this. <laughs> about it because I get mad at myself and the amount of income I could have like really capitalized on. Would I say, would I have stayed in my lane and stopped trying to chase that shiny object? Because uh, I saw other advisors at Duco Italy and I want to be there too. That's head trash. I love the saying head trash. I think we got our point across there. If you love your niche, if you're dang good at it, double down and be dang good at it. Don't get distracted because someone else is on a beautiful fam to another area of the world that you have no interest in selling. It's stealing from you in so many ways because you're going to spend to try and get there. You might not have the audience to even sell that destination. Then you're you're spending so much time to me, like fixing things that you <laughs> didn't have the knowledge on to begin with, but we'll get into that in a minute. So the next is you're basing your model on the norm. And we've kind of touched on this, but not addressed it head on. Not every business is the same. It is okay if your business model is not, hey, please submit my inquiry form. Now we're going to have an intake call and then you're going to give me a planning fee and then I'm going to give you a proposal and then you go on your trip and I follow up. If your model looks like a retainer model where they pay a certain amount per year and they get a certain amount of trips planned for them, 
Or if your model is that they actually have to pay before you ever get on the phone call because you know you're going to add so much value on that phone call that they could walk away and book it themselves and you're okay with that, great. If you are really, really knowledgeable and you're going to offer one-hour consult calls for $250 to those DIYers out there, that's great too. That's $250 and you have no liability for the trip and you can actually give them commissionable links for fly photographer and Viator tours and project expedition transfers and all of these things that you can still make a great income off of, especially for those people that are like trying to transition into the industry and they have another job and they're like, hey, I don't know if I can pick up my phone in the middle of the day if this emergency happens. Lean into the opportunities for passive income. And Robin, this I'm going to hand it over to you because I think you also, we're going to do a whole podcast on this, but you have some thoughts on like passive income too and, and unique business models. There's one recently that you are really passionate about, which is making courses because we make courses. Courses are kind of the way of the future, right? And if you're sitting here and you're like, why would anyone buy a course on how to plan a trip to Italy when I can plan it for them? But like, there's so many type A'ers out there, right? And they just want the secrets. They want like the restaurants and the hotels that you recommend, but they want to do it themselves. That's fine. Give them the option to do it themselves, but make them pay you for it. So we we were at Teague Week and we were discussing some interesting ways and we had an advisor there who really specialized in Napa Valley. She knew it inside, outside, loved it, everything about it. And so we got to talking and I was like, you should sell it as a course. Because y'all, I mean, I am in the mindset where I'm like, there are courses online about how to get your baby newborn to sleep at night. There's so many courses. There's courses on how to fix your acne or how to improve your gut. There's anything you can think of. (laughs) There's a course on it. So don't like limit yourself by being like, oh, that would never work. You don't know unless you try. Maybe it is a flop, but like also at the same time for me and knowing my audience was a bunch of like people who just wanted, you know, my recommendations and to go their own way and do their own thing and sell it as themselves. That's fine. But I could have sold a guide, a guidebook, and it doesn't have to be a bajillion dollars. It could be like a $25 Napa Valley guidebook thing of all the wineries that I used to go to with my husband and loved and how to do Napa the right way that I could sell on my website for the people who know that I know that place really well. Me and Hunter used to travel there every single year and we loved it. And we experienced a lot of really good wine and some really bad wine there. Not really bad. No wine in Napa Valley is really bad, but (laughs) some that we didn't love as much. (laughs) But I just think there's there's ways to do it differently, right? Like there's ways to add money and income to your revenue stream without necessarily taking time for dollars and doing it creatively. Because think about how well you would have known Italy, you know, like and you could have done like a Rome course or a Venice course and a Florence course. There's so many and somebody could have taken that information, talked through logistics, talked through the favorite hotels or the favorite like dining spots in the area. You could have plugged some Viator tours and got some affiliate commissions out of it. And then if maybe here's an upsell idea, they take the course, hey, it looks like you're planning a trip to Italy soon. How about you book me for a one hour call and we can talk through your itinerary and I can give you some like ideas and feedback. And then no longer are you just giving out free advice, hoping that they turn into a client. You're charging for your month, like your knowledge again. So, and also you could like retarget those individuals and say, I'm offering you a special planning fee of don't, I hate the word discount. So like make it sound special, but like 
I'm offering you a special planning fee of, and you could make it a flat fee for the sake of selling it like $50 a day or something like that, whatever makes sense for your business model, because you took my course, because you you are getting someone ideally, if they took your course, they're going to know, you're going to frame that course in a way that they know more about the destination now. And they're going to be able to articulate it a little bit better what they are looking for, hopefully. So you've already got their income. So upsell it in a way. You could have different options. Like to Robin's point, you could upsell them on a one-on-one call. You could upsell them actually on working with you because I guarantee once they see your value, they're going to be like, actually, this sounds more complex than I was even looking to tackle on my own. And yes, I do want you to plan it. So recapturing that audience. Just don't think of this industry as one size fits all. There are so many different ways to do business and it is okay if you do it differently. And when you go on a fam and someone tells you that the way you do it differently is wrong, they are wrong (laughs) because everyone's going to have an opinion that their business model is correct. And guess what? It probably is for them. I used to pay, have people pay per day. I would give away the skeleton proposal for free and then I would upsell them on daily itinerary creation once I've booked them for their itinerary. And that was super different. I haven't heard anyone really doing that since. And I don't think it's a bad model, especially as you transition into the industry, because you know what? I got a lot of people in the door that weren't willing to pay planning fees when I was very young in my in my career. I do think that the industry is changing and you should be charging planning fees regardless. But I'm just letting you know that I started in an an unconventional way. It evolved. Nothing that you do is in stone. You can always continue to evolve your business model. And if your current model isn't serving you, think differently. Here's the thing. We know that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. A top pain point for any business owner is often knowing when or even how to grow a team. How do you create a job description? Where do you post it? How do you interview? What red flags should you be looking for? How do you onboard when you're slammed with your own tasks? And then comes the actual ongoing performance management. Combining our knowledge from careers in recruitment and HR management, we created Agency Expansion Academy. This program is your DIY roadmap on how to hire and retain top talent within your business so that you can scale to the next level. Chocked full of insight and downloadable resources, this program can help you grow whenever you're ready. To learn more and to enroll today, follow the link in the show notes. I agree. I think we get so like hung up on the, oh, this advisor started her business and this is what she did and it worked really well for her and now she's selling like high dollars. But maybe that doesn't work for you. And maybe you do think outside the box and you find something different than good for you. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's, the ability to like play around with some different ideas, especially in ways to free up your life right now. It's, we are very much time for dollar. And I think there's some creatively smart ways that you can flip the script and get some income without (laughs) dying over your phone all day. Yeah. Well, we're going to have an entire podcast on unique business models because it's going to go hand in hand with our episode on how to recession-proof your business because there's just so many things that we can be doing that take some of the pressure off of us to be just minute-to-minute available. So stay tuned for all of those things. Right now, we're going to go into our next topic, which is 
absolutely one of the biggest thieves of your money. Yes, this is one of my favorite topics. And it's not confidently showing up on your intake call. I think this is without a doubt the easiest way to lose money consistently. Because honestly, how can you expect your clients to believe your worth if you show up with any shred of doubt about what you offer to your clients? So sales, I came from a sales background. 90% of sales will happen before anybody gets on a call with you. And that should take some of the pressure, honestly, off of you. Because at this point, like it's not like somebody just dialed a phone number and they're like, oh, I'm now talking to a travel advisor. Sell me. They start when they land on your Instagram and your website and they're looking at your about page and understanding like how you describe your work and it's a value. And there's like just this whole educational process that people have to go through. It's like a psychological, the buyer's journey and like the psychology behind the buyer's journey is just way more complex than like, oh, they're brand new. They've never heard of me. They've heard of you. They had to have been aware. They they got familiar with you. They put you into consideration. Then purchasing comes because there's five phases in like the true buyer's journey. So the first three you're taken care of. The first two are up to you or the last two are up to you. But you need to get comfortable with sales by practicing. The And the very first sale you have to make is on yourself. If you are at all uncomfortable with your sales script or you're uncomfortable with what you offer or how you say, you know, what you offer on on sales calls, all of that comes through. You can hear in people's voices like nerves and and pitch changes and maybe, you know, you're not like when you hear somebody, you can sense when they're nervous, whether they're like actively sweating or their face is beat red or, you know, their their pitch changes like a little bit and something's off. You just you always know. And that comes through as like, well, if they're unsure, I'm unsure. Uh Like you like reflect it onto yourself. So a lot of it changed for me in the sales, in my sales role. When I stopped thinking of myself as like a salesman and started thinking of myself as a consultant, because that's what it was. Like I wasn't ultimately trying to sell you on whatever I was selling you. I was just trying to figure out if you're a good fit. It has to be a mutual good fit. Like I have to be a good fit for you, but you also have to be a good fit for me. And we all know we have our our past clients, like the red flags that we look out for. You know when a client's not a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I would have done in the background of my business when I would have stopped traveling on fans that weren't right for me and honed in on a niche that was what I wanted to sell was to just clean up my script, know all my objections inside and outside. Cause I got them all the time, write those down and then game plan around them. Like what's your next objection going to be? And how am I going to tackle it in a way that like makes me an expert? You really got to practice. You really got to, again, I'm a pen and paper, write it all down, get it out and then flush through it. Like it's an ever evolving script, but eventually it got to a point where I just, I knew it so well you couldn't come at me and be like, oh, I don't need a travel advisor. There was no way. <laughs> like yeah. I was able to knock it down at any step. And that's my close rates went up so high. So people just get so nervous about it. It is. And I think there are, we've recently talked with advisors about a lot of ways that you can incorporate education before they ever get on the phone with you. And we've talked a little bit about it on the podcast. And I'm going to share a little bit about what we came to the conclusion of, which was one, your inquiry form 
should have educational verbiage in it. You should be including, I understand statements like, I understand there's going to be a planning fee associated with this service. And yes, I understand that bundled rates are going to be how my entire quote is presented and I will not be privy to component pricing. If you are putting that in the initial first step that clients ever touch, then you're educating them before you get on the call. Then in that response email back, it again, it has your how we work guide and maybe a paragraph on the benefits of working with you so that they have it bulleted out for them. And then they have your how we work guide that talks about your bundled rates and your proposal process and your DMCs and what that means and your starting rates for your fee structure. So when you get on that intake call, you don't have to introduce any concept. It's not like you have to be nervous because you're like, okay, now um, let me tell you how we work. Um, Question mark, question mark. We charge a fee. Like, (laughs) you know, it is, you confidently say your fee for this trip is going to be XYZ. One, because you've already introduced the concept. They know if they got on that Calendly call with you, they know there's a fee. So it's, you don't need to be shy about it. Two, they've also confirmed when they scheduled that Calendly call that they understand it again, because you can also add in that barrier as well. And if all of this is like, whoa, I want to know more about this, we actually are offering the Boundaries Masterclass on our website. And it talks through all the ways you can incorporate education into your process before your client ever gets on the phone. So it's in our shop, Boundaries Masterclass. I think it's one of the best values that we possibly have on our website because it just, I think, is a very empowering course psychologically, but also gives you a lot of resources to utilize. But that helps you feel confident when you're talking to your client because You're not having to answer, but why, but why? And even if they ask you, but why, this is where my thinking shower, Robin knows I bring up thinking shower probably every other podcast episode. I practice what I'm going to say in my thinking shower because that's where I can just like, there's no distractions. I can kind of like go through these hypothetical conversations on my own. And you just have the freedom to get comfortable. What's more comfortable than private space of your own shower? There's really nothing. (laughs) So (laughs) take that time, practice your scripts. Like Robin said, if you need to write them out, if you need to talk about them, if you need to get another travel advisor to do like a role-playing session of a, a difficult customer, do that, but be prepared for objections and make sure that your client is empowered to know how you work before they ever get on your intake call so that you have one job on that intake call. And it is to flex your knowledge and showcase your value as a travel advisor. And when you get on that sales call, you want to be finding out what their problem is, whether they're telling you explicitly what their problem is. Maybe they've never been to Italy before, so they don't know where to start, or they don't say that they have a problem. Everyone has a problem. That's why they're submitting your form. They're not just submitting it for fun. Typically, mm-hmm. there's a reason, but you have to find that reason and then you need to speak to that reason. So, the whole point of a sales call, in my opinion, is a fact finding mission. What is the reason that they're wanting to use me for this trip? If it's a honeymoon, they're stressed out about their wedding, probably. Like, they don't have the time or the brain power to like dedicate to this trip and they want it to make it amazing. Then we speak to that. We speak to the fact that, like, okay, we know that, like, you probably have so much on your plate with wedding planning. My role over here is to be that champion of this trip. Like every detail is handled. You can confidently just show up to your wedding and show up to the 
flight afterwards, knowing that you like you are handled and that like you're in the best of hands or whatever that pitch looks like. But I mean, everybody has a problem. When you speak to the problem, that's when you get conversions. That's when people understand that they can trust you because you are showing that you understand. Yeah, they feel heard. I love that you just mentioned weddings though, because this was a hot topic that we had last week. And if someone's coming to you for a honeymoon and they're asking, why would you charge a fee? You can always relate it to why are you paying a wedding planner for one day? Are you paying a planning a a day of coordinator? Because that's one day and I'm handling all of the details of something that is your money. And a lot of the time people are not paying for their own wedding. Let's be realistic. Many times they are as well. I did. So like, I'm not saying that people don't, but the honeymoon, a lot of the time it's their money. And so they want to be stingier with it, but it's like, okay, well, you wanted this perfectly executed wedding. Now let's not sell yourself short by not investing that additional 500 or $1,000 to have the most beautiful honeymoon possible. And by the way, here's what I'm going to do through my partners. That's going to give you more value anyway. So that's an objection right there that you can overcome by giving comparables in their specific scenario. And if that feels clunky to talk through, because it felt clunky coming out of my mouth right now and it felt a little combative, you need to talk through it and do role play until you're really comfortable articulating that in a very gentle and coaching way rather than a defensive way, which is many times what we want to do when people don't know why we charge fees. Yeah, never get defensive. Which brings us to the last thing that you are doing that is stealing your income is you're simply underselling yourself and you are not charging enough. We were just on Teak Week and these advisors are so, so incredible at what they do. I would say they are some of the most experienced and knowledgeable advisors that I know in the industry. And when we had transparent conversations about money, which is uncomfortable, let's be honest, it's very uncomfortable to talk about your fees because you're like, wait, am I too low? Am I too high? What are people going to think about it? Are they going to judge my business? Get that out of the way. Have transparent conversations with each other, okay? That's the only way we can better the industry as a whole is if we're being honest with each other and we stop competing with each other in this, I'm getting invited on more fams than you and I charge more fees than you. No, let's be on the same playing field and support each other and rally for each other and charge your dang value. If you are, and I know Robin can elaborate on this and she has before in our other podcast about fees, but you need to be able to articulate, well, you need to be able to quantify the amount of time that you are putting forth for your average trip. And then you need to put an objective (laughs) formulaic approach to your fee structure, which is exactly why in our niche membership, we do have a fee calculator. Katie and her husband came up with this. And I think it's one of the most value add things we have in our community, but it puts this very objective approach to fees. And it takes that subjectivity of like, oh, can they afford this? Or maybe I should lower this fee because they sound like they're trying to stay within budget. It's matter of fact. It's this is your fee. This is your standard. And if that is not the rate that works for them, then you're not the advisor that works for them. You don't go to Target. And if the sheets are not within the price point that you want, they don't come by and say like, okay, well, we're lower them for you. That's just not how it works. And that's how services work as well. I guarantee when they created those sheets, 
they looked at overhead, material cost, shipping, all of these things, and they created a price point based off of that calculation. And that is exactly how all services, all products should work, and it's how we should work. And we let society kind of dictate that because we're a leisure-based role, that we are not worthy of that same objective approach to putting a price on our time. And that's head trash, as Robin likes to say. And I love that term. But that is, it is head trash. And anytime you think I'm not worth this amount, well, you you don't ever have to say that because you've put a price to your time and you know exactly what it costs you time-wise to plan a trip, to service the sale. And if it's not someone that's willing to pay that, then it doesn't align with your income goals. And you can't, we were talking about it today on our team call. You can't pay your bills on hopes and dreams. What was it? (laughs) Yeah, that was exactly it. You can't pay your bills on hopes and dreams. (laughs) We're in business. Like we're not here for fun. This isn't fun. Like planning trips is fun, but like, I mean, you're worth money your brain, your experiences, it's all, it's all worth something. And we've said this time and time and time and time again. And if you're like, okay, well, you're saying you're not charging enough, but how do I know I'm not charging enough? One reason, one way that we quickly found out we personally as Teak are not charging enough, we're booked out for the rest of the year in brands. You cannot book a branding project with us anymore because our spaces are filled. That's a sign to us that there's so much demand, the price needs to go up. So if you are flooded with clients, And there's people who keep coming and coming and coming. That is an excellent sign to raise your fees. Mm -hmm. And like once you start getting those people who kind of see themselves out of the process, you'll find that sweet spot where like you're able to manage your time more because you don't have to do as many trips because all of a sudden like you're getting more fees. So your income is getting higher, but you have less clients. And that's the goal. That's like always the dream. So that's like just one quick way to be like, well, how do I know if I'm charging enough? I mean... What's your client load like? Is it out of control? Because the fastest way to bring it down a little bit is to raise your fee. If you can't get to proposals, you're not charging enough. You're not charging enough for your time. If you cannot get to the proposals, one, you have promised when you accepted a fee, you made a promise to that person that they have become a priority in your business. Two, if you are so flooded with proposals, that means that you are not excluding a certain demographic, psychographic, whatever. You're not excluding a certain population from your marketing or your messaging, whatever it is. And it sounds so negative when we say it. You don't want to be exclusive, but for the sake of your sanity, you do need to be exclusive. It's the same reason why if you were to niche down more, you automatically have a narrower scope that you're servicing. So if I were to had said years ago, I'm only servicing Italy. Okay, well, that cut my my inquiries in half, but it doubled my fees. You know what I did there? I made more income upfront. That's real money. And I made less money in commissions, which to me is the perfect situation because in COVID, I got wiped on commissions. I would much rather have real money for my time and a population of clients that are willing to invest in me than having only suppliers that are willing to invest in me, which I think you need a balance of both, obviously, because suppliers are what make the world go round for us. But the goal is, and we will stand by this, your overhead expenses should be covered by commissions, your income should be your fees. If you want to flip-flop that, whatever you want to do, 
If it gets you to the same number, that's fine. But it's pretty, I say simple math. It's not that simple. But if you think about it this way, and I'll use this example till the day is long, if you've got $50,000 of expenses and you want to make $50,000, you have to sell and collect revenue-wise $100,000 worth of money. That's, that's the simplest form, but that does not account for fixing errors. That does not account for one-off costs or a surprise fam. There is so much more to account for. It, it is a much more complex calculation, but you should never, ever, ever solely rely on one source of income in life, but much less in your business. And this is a great way to diversify that income so that you can guarantee you have income coming in at all seasons, not just in peak season in June when all of your Europe travelers are traveling. You can't pay your bills in December if that's the case, especially if you are unable to forecast that like we have been unable to do for the past couple of years because we just don't know what the next year is going to look like. So charge your worth and also do the math as to what that worth actually is. And don't just like throw spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks. You need to actually put some time and effort into figuring out what you want to make and what that math looks like. And I know that's super daunting. You need a CEO day to do it. Get a buddy to do it with you. <laughs> I mean, I could talk about that one all day long. I know. I was going to say, Robin, we need another CEO day podcast because I feel like she's just like holding her tongue because she, I can see her face and she just like, there's steam coming out of her ears because I feel like she's got so many thoughts on this. If this episode turned into a bit of tough love, it's because it's something that we personally failed to practice and don't want anyone else to fall into the same pitfalls that we did in the beginning of our business. Thank you for joining for another episode of Teak Talks. If you're loving our content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.